yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice. Not just your hands, but your voice. Oh, yes, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say it's true. It is true. Your praise will get you through. It will see you through. It will take you through. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You know, you don't really know the value of faith until it's tested. You don't know whether it works or not until you have it put to the fire. And a song, anybody can sing a song, but the value of a song is when you can sing it in the night. And there are people in this building today that maybe your faith has been rattled. Well, let it be shaken, but don't let it fall because it will take you through. It will see you through. Come on, somebody understand that today. Yes. Everybody can sing whenever things go in their way and all their bills are paid and they don't have any sickness in their body and they don't have a problem in their family and they don't have an issue on their job. Anybody ought to be able to worship God under those circumstances. But the true sign of faith that is alive is that it walks into the darkness singing. It walks into the difficulty knowing God is on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Oh, praise his name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I look around this building today and I see miracles everywhere. I cannot help but think of how good God has been to us. One of the greatest tests that our world has ever been through was called COVID-19. And it shook the world and it shook the world's systems. But I'm thankful that I still have a faith that saw me through that. Amen. Even when it tried to take some of us out and it did take some of our good people, but I see miracles. I see Sister Egla back here with her hands lifted up. And I remember going into that ICU area when she was on a ventilator and all we could do is stand outside the room and stretch our hands and lift our voices and pray. But look at where she is today. I'm telling you, God is an awesome, 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 awesome God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good when you're praising God. Yeah, you look really good when you're praising the Lord. Hallelujah.
So good to see all of you here today. What a great presence of the Lord. Thank you, praise team, for doing what you do so often. And that is bring us into the throne room of God. And we're there. You can ask Him anything. And He is able to do whatever we have need of today. I believe that. I would ask you to remember those that we prayed for earlier. We have some of our good family members that are suffering through some difficult times right now. Lift up them in prayer, not only on service time, but daily lift their needs before the Lord. God would do a work there. We certainly miss many of them from being here. Remember Sister Jill uh, had a little scare last night and they still don't know the end result, but uh, we need to pray that God would give peace and let his healing work and do his wonderful, wonderful mercies uh, as he has always done. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I am going to begin a little differently today and I hope that uh, I am I am where I need to be. I have prayed that I would be where I need to be, but there is um, something that has been in my spirit and in my heart for many, many days and even weeks and months. And I have not been able to shake it loose. And though I tried very hard last night, diligently uh, to go in a different direction, the Lord just kept steering me back here. And it may seem perhaps uh, a little different than what our worship has led us to, but I don't feel that way. I feel like the worship has prepared our hearts to really receive the word. And I pray that you will do that today. It's good to see all of you here. In 1973, uh, the world-renowned psychiatrist Carl Menninger wrote a book entitled, What Became of Sin? He was, in his day, a prognosticator and a negative mind. But this doctor in his book, in 1973, projected the day that would come when sin would no longer be an element of the human vocabulary. He speculated that the explanation of sin and wrongdoing would be replaced by rationalizations excusing individual accountability. 1973, not 2023. 1973. Menninger predicted that the term sin would be replaced with words like illness, disorder, dysfunction, syndrome, and so forth. He said the human condition would be excused as a product of biochemistry, environment, experience, or trauma. He projected that even crime would go unpunished as a criminal activity. It would be justified and minimized as the result of some medical abnormality or some social uh, dysfunction for which one could not be held responsible. 
According to Menninger's prognostication, the day was approaching when practically everyone would be considered sick and their conduct pardonable. No longer would there be any liability for human error, choice, and willful conduct. Everyone would be innocent. Everyone would be vindicated through biology, through psychology, and through humanistic reasoning. 1973. And here we are in 2023, and you would think that he had written it concerning the condition of our present world. I want to take you to a portion of scripture that we don't often like to read from because it sometimes can be more complicated than our minds can wrap themselves around. But I want you to go with me to the book of Romans. And I want to go to the seventh chapter. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number seven. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And I believe they have that for you on the screen. But read with me, if you will, as we go through these few verses. Paul said, what then do we conclude? Is the law identical with sin? Certainly not. Nevertheless, if it had not been for the law, I should not have recognized sin or have known its meaning. For instance, I would not have known what covetousness would have had no, I would have had no consciousness of sin or sense of guilt if the law had not repeatedly said, Thou shalt not covet and have an evil desire for one thing and another. But sin, finding opportunity in the commandment to express itself, got a hold of me and aroused and stimulated all kinds of forbidden desires, lust, covetousness. For without the law, sin is dead. The senses of of it is inactive and a lifeless thing. Once I was alive, but quite apart from and unconscious of the law. But when the commandment came, Sin lived again and I died was the sentence by the law to death. And the very legal ordinance which was designed and intended to bring life actually proved to mean to me death. For sin, again notice the wording, seizing the opportunity and getting a hold on me by taking its incentive from the commandments beguiled and entrapped me. Paul said it seduced me, beguiled me, it entrapped me, it cheated me, and using it as a weapon, it then killed me. The law, therefore, is holy, and each commandment is holy and just and good. Did that which is good then prove fatal, bringing death to me? Certainly not. It was sin. Everybody say it was sin. It was sin. 
It was sin. It was sin. Working death in me by using what was good or using this good thing as a weapon in order that through the commandment sin might be shown up clearly to be sin. The literal says in your King James Version, he said that sin might appear as sin. That sin might appear as sin. And he said that the extreme malignity and immeasurable sinfulness of sin might plainly appear. I go back to our message today and I remind you of this text in the light of the world in which we now live. Paul said that it might be notified and identified for what it really is. Everybody say, but sin. But sin. Not an excuse. Not a behavioral issue. Not a biological issue. Not a neighborhood issue. But a personal issue that you and I have in our life with being willing to submit ourselves to a higher law. God's law. The one who created us. And so the law was given so that sin might be shown as sin. That it might appear sin. That phrase has eat on my mind for several weeks. That sin, that it might appear sin. And that has asked, has made me ask a number of questions in my own mind. And however you look at the translations, and I've read so many of them, but it doesn't matter how you translate this statement that it might appear sin. One said he wanted sin to be shown clearly for what it is. Another said we can see how terrible sin is. Another said the commandment simply uncovered the evil of sin so that it could be seen for what it was. Sin might become sinful beyond measure. That it might become sinful to an extraordinary degree so that I could see what sin is really like. However you translate that phrase, Paul wanted you and I to understand the ugliness, the deceitfulness, the craftiness of sin. And that we would never lose sight of that. And that we would never forget what was labeled and called sin. My question to you as a congregation this morning is simply this. Has sin lost its appearance as sin in your life? Do we somehow find a way to excuse our behavior because we just got angry? You know, I've pastored long enough to figure this out 
that there are some people that are wanting you to get over something that they've never gotten right. They want you to move on, but they've never made it right. And by making it right, it begins on knees and in a spirit of repentance. And it begins with an acknowledgement that I crossed the line. It's amazing how the lines no longer exist any longer. And the only way that any game can really be played to its purpose is to have some kind of boundaries to it. There has to be a number of strikes. There has to be a number of balls before the batter is either out or he moves to a base. Imagine baseball without the rules. The first inning would never end. You know, it's called an inning, but it never ends. Because I get to choose. I don't think three's enough. I want six strikes. Isn't it amazing that we will submit ourselves to the laws of our land? How many of you went past the red light on the way to church today? Now, I'm not going to ask, are you afraid to admit that? Because you know what the next question is going to be. How many of you ran that red light? Stop signs. Stop signs are no longer stop signs. They're just slow down while you turn the corner. Stop. No longer. Am I telling you the truth? So here's my question. If we have made those kind of adjustments in our life on those things... What other kind of adjustments are we making on the things that really matter? On things that we look at and the word clearly says that God does not like that. God does not like that. He does not like this God that hates. This is something that God is against. And yet we somehow find a way to qualify ourselves to do it because, well, you know, somebody pushed me to do it. Somebody got in my way. Somebody made me mad. Somebody aggravated me. Somebody didn't treat me the way I thought I ought to be treated. So I just took my opportunity to show them I don't have to take that. That sin might appear sin. So what is sin? The simplest definition in the Greek, and it coincides with the Old Testament, is a missing the mark. What does that mean? That means that God has set a standard. He has marked something. He has put a line. It's important to have those marks in your life, not just this mark. This mark some of you view as a nuisance and an irritation sometimes. But those marks, what's that mark for? God said that's a boundary. Now you can look at boundaries in one of two ways. That they're restricting you from something and they're preventing your freedom. Or you can understand that they're really there for a protection. 
that God is defining what is his. And what God defines as his, he said, I'm going to protect. I'm going to take care of. I'm going to supply your need. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to help you make it if you're in mine. He said, when that day comes, I will bring those that are mine. What does that mean? That means that evidently there are some that God had to pass by. Somebody said, missing the mark. So has sin lost its appearance of sin? To a great degree, I think, as our world goes, yes, it has. We don't view it like some of us used to view it. We were so careful. We were so careful. And now we are so nonchalant and cavalier about things. We laugh it off. We slough it off. We act as if it doesn't matter. But Paul said the reason God gave us the law, the reason God gave us the word was so that we would be able to identify what separates us from God, what God said he will not tolerate. And so when we are able to identify it, then we will move away from that and we will not want our lives to be identified by such a thing. And we would not want it called in conjunction with our name. Do we no longer view certain actions as wrong? I knew you weren't going to be as excited as you were when I was, we were singing a while ago. But are we no longer convinced that certain actions are wrong that is wrong to lie it's wrong to steal it's wrong to do I mean you, you where, where do we stop I mean according to the word there's a good list of things that God said thou shalt not now he wasn't giving those to us so we could negotiate say well okay God I'll do one and two but what about three That it might appear sin. Has our view of sin changed so that we join the great throng of the world in redefining it as a social issue or as some other cultural problem? Have we lost sight of the fact that sin is what ultimately nailed him to the cross. The whole purpose of a crucifixion was for one to pay the debt of many. That's what even Pilate and them said. One should be given up so that many could be spared. Even in his ignorance and in his blindness, he understood what that crucifixion was about. It was freeing a Barabbas and letting that rebel rouser go free, but condemning the innocent one to a cross. And so it is because of my sin and your sin, our sins. He was crucified for our sins. 
He was bruised for our what? Our what? Iniquities. Oh, but Brother Hughes, you, you must be mistaken. Are you talking about that person in front of me? Iniquities? Are you talking about that person on Facebook that always puts all that vile garbage up? Is that who you're talking about? No, he's talking about the person that puts something up on Facebook that's just deceitful in that it misleads people from the real truth to what you want them to believe. Oh, I'm meddling now. I forgot. I shouldn't get on that subject. Somebody said, is sin still sin in my life? Ask me that question. Is sin still sin in my life? It better be. And I'm asking you today, when you look at the world in which we live in, have we somehow lost sight of the fact that sin in the eyes of God is exceedingly, immeasurably sinful and wicked. And as pastors, it behooves us to often have to remind you, and you've not heard this in a while, but sin needs to be seen for what it really is. In my life, your life, or anybody's life. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord if you believe that. In the light of our present world condition, may I remind you this morning again that there is a sin, there is an act, there is an action, there is a deed that will separate me from God. God said, I don't identify with that. I, I, that's, I, I, I don't identify with that do we excuse our behavior while we condemn the behavior of others do we make light of our actions while we scorn the actions of others have we trivialized what he was tried for Have we trivialized what he was tried for? Stripes, beating, the crown of thorns, the nailing to a tree, all because of one thing, the sin that had separated man from his great creation. Amen. As a pastor, I come today to remind you that you better be careful about the worldview you take. You better be careful about how you allow this insidious seeping in. It's like leaven. The Bible said leaven, when it's brought into a substance, when it's brought into a situation or an atmosphere, it does not stay to itself. It does not just isolate in its little cocoon, but leaven, its very nature is to spread. It wants to put its tentacles in everything that it touches. And so Paul said that sin is like that leaven that gets in and a little leaven 
A little leaven, what? Leavens the whole lump before I realize it. I don't even recognize, but my actions are different. My talk is different. My behavior, my attitude is different. Why? Because I've let something slip into my life that I didn't even recognize. It was such a small amount. I didn't think it would matter. It was just a tiny amount compared to the bigger issue of my life. And yet in time that has that way and that's what we've seen in our world and our culture and what Carl Menninger predicted in 1973. How many years ago? 50 years ago. 60 years ago. Whatever. Is the reality of our day. Amen. May I remind you today that sin in its essence is deceitful. The Bible says it seduces. It tricks. It makes me feel justified. It's that spirit that slips in and pats me on the back and said, that should not have happened to you. It's that spirit that comes up beside you and whispers in your ear. I don't think you ought to put up with that. You, you, you shouldn't have to do, you, you shouldn't have to live like that. That's too much. God's expecting too much of you. Oh, no. God didn't really mean what he said. He just doesn't want you to know that if you really eat that fruit, you'll be just like him. What a lie. They were already like him. They were created in his image and made in his likeness. What more did they need to be? But that's that's the seductiveness of sin. It takes the law, which is good, And it finds a way to twist or pervert it for an evil end. And the next thing you know, there is living color. As our world slips more and more into the grip of humanistic thinking, I remind you of what the word says. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Now understand that the phraseology there was in a continuing action. It was not just talking about a one-time sin, although those are very rare. Most sins in life begin as one, but they multiply quickly. Why? Because we have to justify our actions and our behavior. And when we change our language and how we define these things we are losing the essence of what they are and what they mean and what they do in our lives over the the years there has been a deterioration in the English language we think we're actually 
more educated and we're more developed now than we were centuries ago. But the truth is, the English language to a great degree has been perverted by modern psychology and pop psychology. We have new phrase words and new catch words. And we say them without even realizing that what we're doing is redefining what God called sin. No matter what society calls it, you and I as his church must never call it what God does not call it. You are not your own sovereign ruler. I am not mine. We can do wrong and we do do wrong when we ignore God's word. We cannot redefine sin by using words that are more palatable. Or rather use it so offensive to say that. Well, first of all, I didn't coin that word or that phrase. God did. And it's best for me to stay with what God said rather than what man said. And so what happens is in an effort to explain our behavior, we say it's relevant. You should have known the circumstances I was in. You should have known the genetics that I'm dealing with. It's not my fault. My mom and dad put this in me. Chemistry. I'm just all messed up. Even our own experience, we try to use to excuse the acts of sin. These and many other become the reasons that we give for doing what we do. And listen to me, when we change the language and the definitions, then we're willing to accept other remedies for the problem. Once we move away from the biblical definition of a problem, we begin to draw our own conclusions. And when that happens, this is what it produces. Then every man did what was right in his own eyes. There is that slow erosion that takes place over time. When the Bible loses its significance in our life and we no longer consider it the template for life and for our bodies. We use trends and fads and pop culture and situations that are, are in our present world as a means of justifying our behavior. What are you saying, Brother Hughes? I'm saying that as a church, We better get back to an altar and understand afresh today what God calls a sin. And if there is sin in my life that I don't excuse it and that I don't wipe it out as some behavioral problem, but I admit it for what it is and I repent of that so that I can be put in relationship with him and walk with him according to his will and do what pleases to him. It's time for us to look around and reorient ourselves according to the word of God. We have released our gaze from truth and when we do, other things become attractive and we adopt 
the view of those around us rather than the truth of God's word. Do not let our race toward the prize be undermined with a little leaven. Amen. Just a hint of a lie. Just a smidgen from the truth. There may be changes in our culture, but there can be no change in the church. And I have come to stand before you today at the risk of angering some or turning some off and tell you that in this church, we're going to still call it what it is. We're going to still identify. We're not isolating ourselves. We're not slamming anybody or anything, but we are declaring that there is a better solution than redefining sin, but it is repenting of sin. It is coming to a place of recognition that I am not right with God and I need to be right with Him. Praise God. Let's just stand. There is an ideology in our world today that the scripture is antiquated and it has to be interpreted through new lenses. That we are not in touch with our world if we do not make it relevant to them. I never heard in Jesus' time him making his word relevant to them. The word makes you relevant to him. And that's what you really need to be concerned with. Am I right with him? Because there will be a day of judgment and I will stand before him. It doesn't matter what my, my, my psychiatrist might be telling me. The word declares that there will be a day. There will be a day when I will stand before him. So you and I need to measure and monitor our lives by the truth of God's word. Instead of relying upon the wisdom, so-called wisdom of this world. I want to always remind this church, and I know Brother Long does too, that there is a remedy for sin. The very purpose of Jesus coming into the world God manifesting himself in flesh was that he would save his people from their sins. He would not give me a way to justify it or rationalize it, but I would simply call it what it is. We must not change our language. We must not change our focus. We must not change our definition or our solution. At the end of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, who had been the great crusader of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and helping bring some kind of stability back to his beloved city. You cannot read that book without being moved to tears to understand the great passion and the burden which he worked under. It was so compelling that he was able to rally those people together who were dysfunctional and separated 
and overcome and oppressed, he rallied them together. And in 52 days, they were able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's not where the story ends, though. If you continue reading, you will find that there was the reinstitution of certain things and trying to bring back a semblance of identity to God's people that had been lost through all of these years of every man doing what was right in his own eyes. But when he came to the conclusion, he saw something happening to God's people. He said, I saw our people intermarrying and you say, well, there's no, there's no, there's no reason why I can't do that. I'm, I'm not talking about intermarriage. What I want you to help, want to help you understand is what that produced. When Nehemiah saw this mixture, how did it happen? Time, time. That's all you can explain. It's just time. From the beginning to now, time. As they moved away from the rebuilding of the wall and they got back into the routine of life, then they got back into the routine of excusing what they were doing. And so they allowed their sons to marry daughters that were not of the Jewish race. And this is what he said. They cannot speak the language. They cannot speak the language. They have lost their ability to speak our language. And I wonder sometimes as we move further and further into this end time ordeal, if sometimes the church has so adopted the ideas and the philosophies of the world that we have lost the language of Pentecost. That we have lost the language, that pure, unadulterated word of conversation and communication with God. And it has become so convoluted that it's neither one or the other. I'm wondering perhaps in your life, if you were to really examine yourself and you were to truly look in your own heart today. Is there still the pure language of the apostolic faith being spoken? Is there still the true tongue of the gospel being spoken in your life and in your family? Or is there some convenience of somehow manipulating and massaging that word to fit me and my situation? Paul said, the whole purpose of the law was that sin might be seen as sin. What I've tried to do today is drag a monster into the light and let you see it again for what it really is. It's not your friend. It's not some social disorder. It is a violation that needs to be corrected at an altar. And that's what God calls us to today is an altar. And he said, come on, examine your heart. Look into your own life. 
Are you making excuses? Are you somehow trying to find a way to mitigate this imbalance? The word says, but you know what the world says? The word says, the world says, the word says, the world, the word, the word, the world. And then we become so confused that we don't know the world or the word. Father, today I need you to help us. Get us back to an altar of repentance, Lord. And somehow, God, in our own lives, find that place where we are honest with ourselves and we look into our own personal lives. And if we are not where we need to be, that we will try our best to get to that place, that place of restoration, that we will come to our knees and we will come, Lord, into your presence and ask you, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Bring to my remembrance your word, Lord. Help me that I would be more concerned about identifying with you than identifying with the culture in which I live. That I would want to please you. That I would want to be labeled as yours. That I would have that mark upon my life, God, that I am yours. Oh, God, today... I come before you today to repent of my own sin and my own failures. I come to acknowledge before you today my own shortcomings. And I never want to excuse them. And I never want to act as if they do not matter. They do matter. And God, what I'm waiting for somebody else to get over, I need to get right today. I need to repent I need to repent. I need to acknowledge that violation. I need to acknowledge that I ran that stop sign, Lord. That I ran that red light. That I operated by my own law and my own means. Today, God, would you stir this church to remembrance. Would you stir this mind and our hearts to remembrance, Lord? Would you stir our hearts, O God, to see again your unadulterated word as it is, Lord? And understand that there are some things that will never change. They are eternal. They are forever settled. That is your word, Lord. It is forever settled. It is forever settled. God, help me to identify with that word. Help me, God, that I do not try to redefine that word to fit my convenience. Help me today, God, that I would not forget what it costs you, the price that you paid for what I am excusing today in my life. What I am trying to rename in my own life today. Help me to remind, be reminded, Lord, of that lonely hill called Golgotha where the sins of the world were placed upon your shoulders. Oh, yes, Lord. And you died 
the godly for the ungodly. You died the Savior for the sinner. You died, oh Lord, for me and my sin. Help me, God, today to reorder my steps, Lord, according to your word. To order my steps in your word, Lord. To order my steps in your word, oh God. That I would be willing to humble myself before your mighty hand, Lord. If I have offended, Lord, let me not excuse that, but let me make it right. If I have hurt someone, Lord, let me find a place of reconciliation and repentance. God, if I have crossed a line, help me to come back and reestablish that line in my life. Oh, Lord, today, today, today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we kneel before you today. We bow our heads before you this morning. God, I just want to make sure that everything in my life is right with you. Oh, Lord, I want to be right with you. And I want to be right with my fellow man. I want to be right with the people that you have put me in touch with in this world members of your body, Lord, want to have a right relationship with them. Oh God, help me today. Help me today to be willing to humble myself and repent. Yes, Lord. Repent. 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 God, today to recognize that in my own life there is that subtle erosion of things. Help me to reestablish that line today. Help me to reestablish that boundary in my life. Oh, I feel your presence here right now. We have a remedy this morning, Lord. Jesus Christ, the righteous. For your word said, if any man sin, if any man sin, there's a place, there's a place, there's a place. Ah, uh, yes, Lord, there's someone. The propitiation for our sins and not our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Lord, if we will simply come, if we will simply acknowledge, if we will simply recognize, praise God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel such a deep tugging of the Holy Ghost today. I feel such an urgency to deliver my soul to you. I pray God would somehow take the word and let it penetrate your heart. Awaken us, awaken us, awaken us, awaken us, awaken us. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we pray today that you would forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, of our failures. God, we need to do that all together today. We need to just go before you in a spirit of repentance. Every one of us, Lord. We repent today of our sin. We repent, Lord, of the violations, the crossing of those boundaries, Lord, that we might have erased in our life. Help us to reestablish those boundaries. God, we're not without hope today. If we ventured beyond those, we're not without hope. But you can help us redefine those lines and those boundaries in our life. Yes, you can, Lord. Yes, you can. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Lord, today, 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 today. If you're near somebody, why don't you just reach over and join hands with them. If you want to stand in this auditorium before we let you go, just reach over and join hands with somebody. God, today, today, today. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. Oh, in my own heart, Lord. Help me, Lord, to understand more clearly today what missing the mark looks like. God, what missing the mark will produce in my life. Oh. oh, yes, come on, let's let the Holy Ghost move right now. I sense God moving in this place right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Oh Lord, 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 oh Lord. Oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh Lord, today, help us today, help us today, help us today. Oh Lord, today, touch our hearts today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Riyama Kasotoria Rabahaya. Oh, 
Oh, yes, Lord. 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 Oh, God, today, 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 today. Oh, Lord, today, 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 today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. I want to live the way you want me to live, Lord. I want to give until there's just no more to give. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I bless you today, I bless you today, I bless you today, I bless you today. I bless you, Lord, I bless you, Lord. I want everybody in the building to stand with me, if you will, and I want you to join hands again with somebody and let's just stand here in the presence of the Lord I want to remind you I, I, I don't I don't come to throw water on your picnic I don't come here today to try to be a stick in the mud but I'm not afraid to do what God has called me to do The Bible said, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running, in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. These seven things God said he hates. He hates. Not only that, but he goes on in the book of Proverbs to say, I hate false balances. I hate unequal weights and measures. Where you measure your life by one weight, but when it comes to others, you have a whole separate measuring of weights. God said that's an abomination. It's careful that we call those things what they are. It would do all of you good to go back in your Bible concordance and just look up the word abomination. How many things are listed as detestable, detestable, detestable to God. And here's the thing you need to understand about an abomination. Unlike many other things of the law that may not have applied to today, where we don't mix garments, of uh, threads and garments and so forth. When God labels something an abomination, it was that Forever, God said, I will never change my mind about this. I am not going to step this back and reword it. 
for the 2023 culture. Amen. And listen to me, church. I'm not just a voice crying in the wilderness today. I am a shepherd. I am a watchman on the wall. And I am trying to do what God has called us to do. And that's be that watchman. And I'm here to say to this church today, you and I cannot afford the luxury of rewriting what we don't like about the Word and making it fit what we want it to fit. Folks, I don't like it any more than anybody else likes it. Sometimes it's not the most palatable thing to swallow. But he said it's like medicine. At first it may seem bitter, but if you swallow it, it gets down, it becomes sweet to your soul. Amen. Now you may leave here today and think Brother Hughes missed it today, but oh, I have not missed anything. But I will tell you that you better make sure that those boundaries are still present in your life. And I let you go. But just a reminder that God still wants us to call sin sin and that you and I would see sin as sin amen father this is your church this is not mine I'm only a tool and a vessel and I pray God today that I've not violated that office that I have not injected myself but I have delivered what I have felt the unction of your spirit to deliver. Wake us up, God. (laughs) Wake us up, God. Help us to become alert and wise to where we are in this present world and fall more in love with your word than we are with this world. That we would fall more in love with your word than we are with this world. God, help us today to live the way you want us to live. To give the way you want us to give. To be all that you would want us to be. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you if you need to slip out. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Remember our evening service. It's going to be a great time tonight. Bring your shouting shoes. Maybe we can shout a little bit tonight.